Hey everybody, I'm Bobby Salveson. And I'm Michael Monaco, and together we are the Hazmat Guys, connecting the Hazmat community near and far with knowledge, insight, and real-world examples in an effort to make your job just a little bit easier and safer. Now, let's take a minute to hear from today's sponsors. Hey, Mike, pop quiz. What is the standard go-to method for emergency decon? Uh, That's pretty easy. Wet decon, right? Well, you know, you're not the only one that may be thinking that, but it's actually dry decon. No, 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 no. How many times have I heard dilution is the solution to pollution? (laughs) Actually, too many. And that's the issue. Makes sense if you think about it. Without the use of water, we don't need to spend extra time setting up traditional showers or pools. And there's no wastewater afterwards. And you're not going to freeze anybody to death if it's below 60 degrees. Check out firstlinetech.com slash dry decon. First Line Technology has a whole webpage dedicated to the methodology and links to plenty of dry decon resources. See for yourself why dry decon with FiberTech should be your go-to immediate decon solution. Let's get to the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Hazmat Guys. I'm Michael Monaco. Yeah. Starting starting this conversation off for only another nine times before we switch out. It's so stupid. We wait is. two years to have this like virtual handoff. <laughs> like so stupid. Uh, it is, but it's like this little milestone that like that like plays in my head. It's like, oh, I only get to do this nine more times. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm Bobby Salison, and we uh, just. Geez, a couple of hours ago had our uh, our periodic uh, meeting of the minds where we started talking about what goodness is coming for the show and for the community and all this other stuff that we're trying to put together. Now that we're both retired. Yes, we are. <laughs> Mike, as of a couple of days ago, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, is now retired. So we can dedicate a lot of time towards uh, developing. Do you know what they did to me at work? That was probably the most awkward thing. What? They, they And thank God we got a run in the middle of it, but they were going to turn around and do a compliment circle. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So for anyone that that's doesn't good. know, yeah, compliments make me very uncomfortable. So but they were going to – that's – you normally don't hear something like that in a firehouse, but only because it, like, sends shivers down my spine. Yeah, I think you suck. So I do suck. I I agree with you 110, percent and I'd much rather hear that than anything else. But all right, let's see. Um, happy hour just happened. Yes, it did. Oh, but, happy hour was 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 good. Um, oh, there was something that was talked about, and I said write it down because you're going to remember it, and I can't remember what it was. Ah, go ahead, it'll come to me. Yeah, it's the fourth Thursday of every month, 1900 hours Eastern Standard Time. HazmatGuys.com slash happy. Uh, conferences are coming up kind of quickly. We have May, which is just, geez, as of this recording, uh, next Friday, uh, Midwest Conference. And then almost right on the heels of that cold zone where I get to hang out my peeps up in the northern sector. Uh, and then we'll see everybody in Baltimore. And uh, Massachusetts, I think, is the last one for the year for us, unless something else pops up. Uh, but we haven't been invited to any other. So yeah, it's amazing how springtime really just peppers them in. Yeah, exactly. And then 
you know, we'll see what the uh, the off season brings, and um, we're gearing up, guys. All right. So, what do we got so, today? Okay, so we have a conversation that went back and forth online. It was a private conversation, so I'm not using any names, <clears throat> but I do want to read the question. I have what I responded. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And I'd like to try to apply it to various aspects of our response because I think this lends to several different, like, okay, how does it apply in this situation? How does it apply to this situation? Uh, And it definitely applies to fire as well, so we could chat a little bit about that. He starts off by saying, hello, sir. Can I bug you with a question? I have a note from some time ago from some hazmat class, and it says – Priorities equal me, we, and them. Something about this doesn't quite sit with me because them comes last. But maybe on a hazmat call, it's different than a fire call. Maybe because not having the proper gear on the fire trucks. Do you have any thoughts on this? Thank you. Yeah, I've heard this before. He's having a hard time with me, we, them. I agree with the statement, me, we, them, but what's your thoughts? So their whole thing is, um, and I think it's in, I don't want to put words into the guy's mouth that said it, but I think what what they're trying to do is like, you have to take care of yourself before I can take care of my partner, before we can take care of the operation. You know, so if you're if you're going to and and I can give you a good analogy, well, two of them actually that come off the top of my head is one is the um, you hear it all the time in airplanes when they're like, you know, the oxygen mask might fall down, but put on yours before you put it on your kids, which goes against what parenting is about. And you're like, I right, take care of my kids first, but if you don't put on yours, you're not going to make it to put on your kids. You know, and right. you can always which make another kid. Kind of the exact argument. Yeah, that's the exact argument. There was a little old lady sitting next to me on a Delta flight, and right. the mask dropped. I refused to put it on because I was supposed to put it on kids. Clearly I would have told her, wait her turn and, t- and try to not do it. When I'm good and ready, <laughs> I'll pull my knot out. So, uh, and, and that kind of goes back to, um, you know, even even another example, which I was was drilled into my head was when you're doing like a and again I, this is i know we have people that are not in the fire service but you can kind of appreciate this if you have a firefighter that goes down below grade and the objective is to drag them over to the stairs and then pull them up it is an incredibly hard task to do depending on the size and the shape and the stairs and etc etc and so when guys come in and they think that the objective is to pull this guy completely up the stairs they're missing the point is that it's it's a me us we kind of operation where your job might be just to bring them over to the stairs and you my job might be bringing them up the stairs and then the other guy's job is to bring them the rest of the way to the ambulance or something like that so what happens is people think they have to make contact with the guy package him drag him across then drag him up and it's like an all to the point where the rescuer becomes a problem because they're actually slowing down the operation they're gassed and they're not oh, lending to moving it forward. You know, I didn't even take it from the account of uh, of the the concept of task. I really just looked at this strictly from like a safety point of view. But that's interesting. That is a, an interesting way of thinking about it as well. Like from a task point of view, like we are part of a team, right? right. The goalie in a hockey team isn't responsible for 
putting anything into the net. Yeah, he's not doing faceoffs, and I was, you know, like, you know, if you play your part, then the objective is going to be met. And so, like, okay, I, I'm going to make sure that. Again, maybe I'm putting a little too much water into this thing, but you're like, you know, we don't have the luxury in in hazmat or in fire or in police of knowing when it's it's go time. Like, you know, you, you know, the the guy that plays in the Super Bowl, he knows he's going to play at 1 p.m. on Sunday in this location. He can prepare. You, me, and you are roofing your roof. You know, putting down tiles on your roof, and it's three o'clock in August, and we're pounding beers all morning. And then the incident comes in, and we're running to you know to go handle that. Or, or is me ready? Right. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like it gets it gets a little crazy because you got to start thinking about your impact personally on the group in small and in large. Yeah, so I, I viewed this strictly as like a safety point of view, and I kind of responded back in, in two different ways. I responded back in the hazmat situation. Then I also responded back like in the fire situation, but responding to hazmat, both fire situation and hazmat situation. So I initially wrote off by saying, not at all. Uh, even in fire, we come first. That's why everything we do is risk versus reward. It doesn't mean we don't put ourselves in dangerous places, but we have to look to see if the risk is worth the reward. But it does mean that, yes, we in fact come first. And then I asked if that made sense. And his response was, I guess <laughs> I don't like the optics of putting people third, uh, clearly not a New Yorker. Uh, but I think I understand on the fire side, putting people third or second has led to some complacency in making searches. I think those are his words. I think I didn't. Uh, a continuing reading, uh, I tell the guys if we can occupy the space with our PPE level of training, staffing, etc., we have to occupy it. I guess the same could be said on the hazmat side. I'm just thinking that if I had a line of sight victim and I was on air with full PPE and I had a hose line for protection and or decon, I'd probably make a move for a quick scoop and scoop and screw. I don't know what he's screwing. But uh, he says, if I don't know the chemical that was involved or the quantity, then I would just go. When I see them as the third in what I lay out from my notes, I'm not sure that portrays the same mentality. I know outside of the line of sight victims, we have to go slow, meter, ID the product, etc. I'm just interested in what you have to say, though. Hey, listeners. The Hazmat Guys have some great news for you and your organization. We are really stepping up our brand of in-person training in addition to the great content you get on demand. Now, we know what you're thinking, but this is already incredibly great stuff, and how could it possibly get better? All I can say is, wait until we're in front of you. When we gather the best of the best from across this planet and even beyond and assemble an instructional cadre that is seriously second to none. And now we have a ton of ways to help you, your team, or your organization get to a level that makes everybody proud. From subscriptions, on-demand, hybrid methods, to full in-person goodness. You can contact me, Bob, at thehazmatguys.com to schedule a call and find a solution that works for you. And every participant of an in-person class gets a free one-year premium subscription, which sounds pretty good. Hmm. So contact me at bobthehazmatguys.com and get some more information. Even even with those those I, I totally get what he's saying, 
and I'm not saying I wouldn't go. I'm just saying, you know, if I'm if I get up to that situation, let's say the mall and there's 30 people down and it's a complete unknown. I see people down. Well, my quick assessment is I'm in good shape. Are we ready to go? You say yes. There's two check marks. Let's go. Right. Like it's risk versus reward in a very short uh, time frame. Even this might be unpopular to say because I know there's a lot more unknowns in there, but even the non line of sight, you know, to a point, I'd be okay pushing in. I think this is where education really comes into play. And unfortunately, on the fire side of hazmat, you know, meaning the operations level, the 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 knowledge and understanding isn't there to make a proper risk benefit analysis, right? Because think about it, out of all the chemicals that are out there, how many are like, you know, we think about hazmat and it's like, oh, you're taking a breath, you're going to drop dead, like, or it's going to touch your skin, it's going to turn you into a zombie. Those don't exist. Like, yeah, they're very, very, very few in between. Very, very few and in between. So it's, um, it's an interesting thing from like from that hazmat beyond the line of sight. Uh, but line of sight just means you haven't gotten far enough to see him yet. Like what? Well, what let me, is let me line throw of this sight? out of you. Do you think? I mean, obviously, experience comes into reading the room and having a better size up, et cetera, et cetera. But how much do you think that can be taught versus experienced? I think it could be taught extensively, actually. Okay. I really do, right? So, so let's let's take uh, let's take the worst of the worst, right? Let's take that chemical warfare agent in a subway, okay. right? The 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 end all be all of the hazmat scenarios, right? Uh, sarin release in a subway station. Okay, great. In my training, when I train operations guys, like let's forget about hazmat because hazmat often has a completely different role in a situation like a sarin attack where we are literally not there for rescue. We are there for mitigation. So when we are teaching these classes, when we're teaching operation-level firefighters, we try really hard to be really clear in that you make that risk because the danger to you is actually not that great to perform your mission. So let's say I had a person that was down and they were showing all the signs and symptoms of sludgeum. And I ran in and I had my bunker gear on and I had my SCBA on, which is exactly what you should be wearing for a rescue. Mm-hmm. I ran in, I grabbed them, and I pulled them out. I did the line of sight, right? So here I have Saren, one of the most deadliest things that are out there as far as concentration-wise. However, I know that I need to get it on my skin. There has to be direct skin contact. And as long as I'm in my bunker gear and my PPE, yes, the gear may in no way, shape, or form chemically protect it, but it's giving me a physical barrier. So I know I have time, right? Like I am doing a proper risk-benefit analysis, but I'm still putting myself first because I'm not rushing in without putting on my bunker gear. I'm not rushing in without putting on my SCBA. I'm not rushing in without putting on gloves, and I'm not rushing in until I know that somebody's going to be able to help me when I get out. So that's the part where I think people – if people are turning around and they're saying, well, I can't do this because I'm more important – then they're totally missing the point of all of this. Well, what's what is uh, maybe I'm splitting hands, but what's rushing in? Oh, 
Well, I think rushing in would be not doing what it takes to properly protect yourself. In my opinion, well, rushing in would be not doing it right. So if I if I got off the rig and I didn't take those few seconds to put my gloves on or ah, to put on my is. SCBA, a few that seconds, would be rushing in. Oh, yeah. Moments. Yeah, that, that's that's the key is like, you know, and, and I think the actual physical duration of that um, being confronted with the situation and making the decision either personally or as a as a team to move forward is I think a lot of what maybe uh, maybe I'm reading into it but I think a lot of what he's asking is is how long does that determination take and and I would say again your inter the the more experience and the more practice you get into this the f the bigger your bandwidth to pull in information right but we can't rely on experience with hazmat no, because uh, hazmat doesn't exist that often to have experience with. So right. we literally have to just go off of our training. Right. So it, it, the more practice and stuff, I, I might be able to process, you know, 20 bits of information because I've done this a lot of times. I've taught it. I've, I've done it. I've experienced it. I've, I've been there and done it. Whereas a guy that might only have classroom might be able to bring in five points of data. Okay, all that means is it's going to take you four seconds, and it takes me one second. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 a, it's. I think it's a it's a calculation of time. I think it's like you're still going to have to take in all the data. Right. You're going to have to read the room and make your subjective, you know, argument to yourself because some people are risk adverse. Right. Some people, you know, like yeah, I, I listen. If if we're driving too fast on the road, and you know things aren't going some way, you know, that I want, I can yell at the driver and say, slow down. And at the same time, like when you're at one of these scenes, this is like kind of like where you're in row 32B on the plane. You can't just yell at the, the pilot to say, hey, slow down. You're a little bit more removed from the operation functionally. Yeah. You're, you can still have the same apprehension. It's just you're going to have to relay it in a different way. I, I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, no, I, I do understand what you're saying. And and in the response back, I did also address his concerns with this on the fire side during fire operations. Uh, and so I wrote back, okay, it's confusing terms. What you're referring to is laziness or poor training. Putting ourselves first looks like this. Take the 10 seconds to put on your mask before entering the fire fire room. Protect your lungs. Take a moment to make sure your hood is on right. Don't put your life at risk for a body recovery. Don't get yourself meaninglessly hurt or killed for no reason. Just as I wouldn't enter a fully involved room because I know I can't make it five feet in, in full PPE, no one is alive. Risk versus reward isn't saying don't make that grab of line of sight. It's saying understand the risks so that you know whether what you're risking is worth the reward. But again, what what was described in the beginning is not a factor of of uh, us of us putting ourselves first. It's a factor of a shitty firefighter not doing their job right. Right, but see, there's a lot of gray between the. And some people have this this idea, like, you know, that's our job. We're, we're supposed to go in there and do those difficult things and make those difficult things. And, you know, there's nothing that's more important than life safety because maybe their instructor told them that. that but in reality, 
when you're reading the scene and you're situationally aware, which is the popular term nowadays, is to say you're situationally aware. Okay, you know, what's my backup team doing? What's the ventilation doing? Where is it in the sky? How is the wind rolling? And all these things, that all is going to factor into how hard I push. And and to be honest with you, some people are just dead. Right. It, you know, they're going to die. And so, like, okay, I'm going to again i i'm not going to say i will protect myself over a person i signed up for this thing however at a certain point i'm looking i'm like there is zero possibility this person's going to last longer than me getting them to the ambulance there was a, an ammonia run in new england a couple of years maybe five or six years ago uh <clears throat> talking to the people that were on scene uh they tried to make a push to make a line of sight grab Mm -hmm. It was in an ammonia facility. I, I want to say it was a, a like a, a refrigeration plant. And they were in full bunker gear and SCBA. And the person was line of sight. They tried to make it to that victim, <clears throat> but they were pushed away by the burning of the ammonia on their skin through bunker gear, through PPE, right? And it's the training that will let somebody say, oh, okay, I've gone as far as I can go in PPE. That person is long gone. Right. So that is not a that's not a function of putting yourself. I mean, that is a function of putting yourself first, but it's not putting yourself first at the detriment of the public because that public, that person was already long expired. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, you know, saying, you know, without questioning the scene or the interpretation of that of the data it's very hard for me to say well nothing is above life you know there's even scales of life yeah i hate to say yeah. it, you know, like it it sounds very cold and i'm sure there's gonna be people that are like that's that's bs man you hung it up well, you don't know I, how it I, is i don't think at all i think if you tell if if you talk to any firefighter and the tones come out and you hear child trapped on the floor above I'm going There's going to be faster. a bigger push than just, you know, grandma trapped on the floor above. Much faster, much faster, much harder. I'm going to be pushing a lot more. My a lot of my uh, my safeties and guardrails will be down. Right, right. I'm, I'm going definitely going to risk more for that benefit of of a child. So yeah, as much as we want to turn around and say, oh no, all all life is equal. I think we're being disingenuous to the just the nature of hearing you know, one type of life over another. And if we don't acknowledge that, then we're just, we're, we're kidding ourselves. I like this. I like this. This is a good one because you know what? People are thinking this, whether or not they want to bring it up in class or whatever. Um, it's those things that, <laughs> that people won't bring up in class that are probably the most important ones that we do on the show because they're all thinking it. Yeah. I tell people all the time, I'm like, okay, the class is done answering the question. I'll wait for the four or five cowards at the end of the class to come up and talk to me personally <laughs> because you guys are too chicken shit. And sure enough, guys come up and they start wandering around. I'm like, here's my cowards. Here's my cowards. <laughs> yeah. That's that's some interesting stuff right there. Yeah, not too bad. Well, well, that with that one, we'll uh we'll catch you guys next week. Bid you adieu. Well, that wraps up another episode of The Has My Guys. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. And don't be afraid to use that like or follow button. Or 
You can sign up for even more content from us at thehazmatguys.com. Here, you can subscribe so that we can connect you to even more great stuff. Your support is going to help us improve and build this awesome community even more. Yeah, and if you want to get to the next level, you won't want to miss our premium content. Our specialist level provides you with access to our entire catalog of shows, which is now over 300, an exclusive Facebook group, premium video with no ads, and so much more. Also, check the Hazmat Guys University link on our website. And don't forget... We are always interested in hearing about incidences or calls that you have experienced. We may bring you on the show to share that story. Reach us at feedback at the And remember, folks, don't just get on the job, get into the job.